We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. Since you guys know where to follow me on there, I'm just going to go ahead and shout out the YouTube channel, Seahawks Man-to-Man on YouTube. Shout out to all of our YouTube subscribers. Even if you are an audio listener, just go ahead and hit the subscribe button anyway. Come on back to Spotify, The Athletic, Apple, wherever you're getting it. Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. I want to start this off uh, shouting out everyone who peeped our last episode with Seahawks assistant running backs coach Amanda Ruler. We got a lot of love and positive feedback after the interview, um, which Chris and I could have anticipated because it was just a great discussion with Amanda. Amanda's personality jumps off the screen or just through your speakers or however you digested the show. Shout out to Coach Ruler. Um, hope she does really well. And the other uh, assistants as well in the the uh, Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching uh, Fellowship. That was dope. We got to get more coaches on the show, Chris. That is the, yes. that is the goal. My next goal, I'll, I'll, put, I'll speak it into existence, is uh, Sean Desai. Um, he's, uh, he's doing a, he's part of the, uh, podcast that the homie Tashawn Reed is working on. Um, and I'm hoping that after that drops, Sean can come hop on with us as well. But today is Wednesday, July 27th. Uh, the Seahawks had their first day of training camp, also known as the most overanalyzed day of training camp. The players do not wear pads. They barely touch each other. It's a lot of running around. Everybody's excited, full of energy, um, and every team feels like it's the start of their path to the Super Bowl. Um, and for 31 teams, that is not the case, or at least 30 teams. You know, two of them will go there. Uh, but a very, very interesting day to start. The first thing I always do when I get to training camp is a get water because it was hot <laughs> as hell. No, nah, for real, I was sweating bullets, man. It was, it was really hot. I asked, I asked Jordan Brooks after practice. I said, "Hey, Jordan, how you doing, man?" Uh, while he was on the podium, it's on YouTube, I think. I was like, hey, Jordan, how you doing? Hot. I said, I'm good. He was like, I'm good. How are you? I said, I'm hot. <laughs> he, he was like, yeah. He was like, uh, I said, so how was day one? He was like, day one was hot. You know, and I think Jordan might be from Texas. 
Yeah, uh, I guess I can look it up for you real yeah, quick. Yeah, you can we'll look, it, look that up for me, please. I, I believe he played at Te- I know he played at Texas Tech. I don't know if he's actually from Texas. Uh, but like for that guy to say it was hot, that was, you know. Yeah, from Dallas, Texas. Yeah. He's from Dallas. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That means he knows hot. And it was like he still knew uh, out there in Renton. Very hot today. But yeah, took attendance, you know, saw that everyone was there, which is always good. That eliminates one storyline. And you see that DK Metcalf is there. But not practicing. Um, so let, 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 let's start there. Um, DK Metcalf is doing the new thing, which is a quote unquote hold in. Um, it's it's an unofficial phrase. It's just the opposite of a hold out. You know, holding out is what you see like Earl Thomas doing in 2018 or Cam Chancellor in 2015, where they just don't show up at all. Uh, I think Jadavian Clowney did it in 2019 as well. I think even Aaron Donald might have done it before. Uh, Khalil Mack, some other guys who just. They just don't show up at all. The reason that you see some more guys doing the hold in thing, which is where they show up but actually don't practice, is because you get fined $40,000 a day if you are not at training camp. And it doesn't take uh, math whizzes like Chris and I to realize that $40,000 a day adds up. I don't care how rich you are. If someone just plucks 40 Gs from you every day, you're not at work, that hits. You know, Especially when right now they're not getting paid because – uh, you get paid during the season, uh, unless you know we got signing bonus payments hitting right now. But for the most part, you're not getting paid. So you're seeing more guys show up to avoid getting fined, but abstaining from the on-field workouts to save their bodies so they don't get hurt, um, which is like a real, real, real concern. Last thing you ever want to do is roll an ankle or pop your knee out uh, while you're waiting to sign a hundred million dollar contract, right? Because the first thing that happens is you will not get that. $100 million contract. <laughs> this is the minute you pop your knee on practice. So DK is doing that. It's a method we've seen before in Seattle. Uh, Bobby Wagner did it um, in 2019, showed up, um, didn't even really wear team gear. <laughs> he had like an inside out hoodie that year. Wasn't even rocking Seahawks stuff until he signed his deal, making him the highest paid linebacker in the league or inside linebacker. At least Jamal Adams did the same thing you know, last offseason. So did Quandre Diggs um, and Dwayne Brown. Uh, those guys, Jamal ended up becoming the highest paid player's position. Quandre Diggs and Dwayne Brown did not get new deals. So there's no perfect way to go about it. You know, holding in doesn't guarantee you get paid. You know, neither does holding out. You know, it, it can work different for different players. You know, Shaquille Griffin and Frank Clark both showed up to everything, participated in everything. Uh, in their contract season, Shaquille ended up walking and Frank ended up getting traded after he got franchise tagged. So there's no perfect way to do it. Um, but, you know, DK is doing the way that he's seen it work for guys uh, on this team before. And uh, DK, shame on you for showing up in your in Air Monarchs. I just thought he had more fashion sense than that. I feel like that's the thing we have to start with, Chris, is that if you're going to show up to practice and you get to wear whatever you want, essentially because you're not practicing, I think the last pair of shoes I would ever choose to be seen uh, by thousands of people, even more if you count the pictures people take of him, is Air Monarchs. Like, that might be quite possibly the ugliest Nike shoe possible, and I can't believe DK succumbed himself to such terrible footwear. It's ugly, but if there's one person, one person, if there's one person that could pull it off, I gotta give it to DK. And I'm I'm sure he had no socks or ankle socks, so he was showing those massive calves. I'm sure I'm sure he made it work. I'm gear. I'm almost. I'm sure he probably posted a picture. Let me go to uh, Instagram. Pictures of him. Uh, no, no, no. I, DK might have just posted a picture, you know, showing love he, to the Air Monarch. He Let's wears them see. a lot. Uh, a lot of the players wear them a lot because their team issued. I think they say always on the tongue. Um, like 
Pete has them. They give them to all the players. So there's a lot of them just wear them because it's just in their little locker when they show up to work. But oh, still, okay. man, do, do better than that, DK. I know you got other shoes. I man. can't blame him, though, I, to be honest. I That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm shaming him on the podcast. Yes. Chill. It ain't that big, man. You could, if you, I think you could pull it off, Mike. Like, for example, if you had some black shorts, you got a white tee on right now, and you throw on some Air Monarchs with no ink, with no socks, that would look like a clean little fit. You got nah, $30 no, no, shoes no. on. You're chilling, bro. No, 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 no. I would never succumb myself to such ugly, ugly, clunky. They're ugly, but you can pull it off is what I'm getting No, at. I could pull off anything, I think, but I just don't. That's my I point. Just, so there you I go. I wouldn't do it. I just, I, I think highly of myself. I hold myself it, it, high You regard. can think highly of yourself and still wear, like, pay less shoes or something. No, it's not about where the shoes come from. It's about what they look like. That's all. You buy, you buy some shoes from a homeless man off the street, and they fire, they fire. You know, you buy them. You buy some ugly shoes from the Balenciaga store in Paris. Okay, so what was DK wearing up top? Just a jersey? Yeah, he had a jersey on, and he had a hoodie on. He had a backwards, uh, backwards uh, Seahawks hat. You know, just just chilling. Okay. Same way. Jim, yeah, that's Jamal a cool Adams fit. Was, yeah, was that's cool. Jamal I get Adams, the Monarchs. Yeah, Jamal was similar last year. Um, Dwayne Brown similar um, as well. Uh, so. Yeah, DK's doing the hold-in thing. And here's the thing on the contracts, and I think this is important. So Terry McLaurin of the Washington Commanders got about $23.5 million uh, on his new deal. He got signed a three-year deal. I think DK will probably sign for a little bit more, but that's just the uh, what, t- what Terry got. Makes sense that Terry did that, uh, try to get another bite at the apple after that three years is up because Terry's a little older than DK. I think DK is 24. Terry, I think, is 26 already even though they're in the same draft class like he stayed at Ohio state much longer than DK stayed at Ole Miss. Um, so there's that, uh, Cooper cup, I believe averages to about 26.7 in new money. I think in total Cooper's on like a five-year deal, but when you're talking about these contracts, it's important to just look at the new money that these guys are getting, um, ignore what the total is based on what they were already making. Just look at the new deal. Like Stephon Diggs, I think, is at like $24 million a year on in new money because it's all extensions. Right? With the exception of Devontae Adams, I believe, all these big ones are extensions. Right, So you want to look at the new money. And you look at a deal like Devontae Adams, that has a bunch of fluff money. Devontae ain't seeing no money in the last two years of that deal. Same thing with Tyreek in the last year of his deal. A.J. Brown's deal is pretty realistic. I think that's, what, four years? $100 million? $100 million. Yep. DK is in that range i know that chris knows that half of y'all listening to the show knows that uh so we know the seahawks know that as well so with that in mind my guess is that the holdup is not the average per year because if it was there would be no negotiation you know if that was the holdup like hey we don't want to pay you 24 million a year or 25 million well then there's no talking right if if you're dk's people like why would you why would you even discuss that if you're dk's agent and you rep you know, Mike, Mike Williams, you just got him 20 million a year, whatever you rep AJ Brown. You just got him 25 million a year. You rep DK. You're probably going to get him the same thing. You rep Debo Samuel, who's also doing a hold in down in San Francisco after requesting a trade like Tory DK's agent. He knows that he knows the game. Um, so I would guess without like reporting any inside information on it, that something to do with the guarantees, the guaranteed structures, that's probably what's, you know, around the, the hold up there, like the month, the, the average per year is always going to, that, that's going to be what it is, right? Same thing with Jamal. Like they had to pay Jamal like 17 million. There was really no way around that. Same thing with Bobby Wagner at the time. They had to pay him 18 million because I, somebody else was making 17. I forget who it was. I think it was CJ Mosley of the Jets or maybe the Ravens. Can't remember. But uh, 
Can you check that for me? Chris X, I want to say it was CJ Mosley at the time, but they had to give Bobby the 18 million. So when you, when it's an obvious contract number like that, you can probably make a safe assumption that something to do with the guarantees uh, is part of the holdup. Different teams are different with their guaranteed uh, money structure. Some teams are used to guaranteeing a certain amount of years, you know, maybe one year, two years, maybe the first three years. Some teams will just guarantee that first year, guarantee a signing bonus, and then make sure that your guarantees in year two and year three, they, uh, they hit like one year early. So let's say like your guarantees in year two, they hit like, right at the top of year one and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, Russell Wilson's deals have been structured that way. Uh, Bobby Wagner's as well. So structural stuff is probably the holdup. And I bring all that up not to just throw a bunch of numbers at people, but that's good news. When you're at the point where it's like, all right, we just got to fix some structure things. We're not totally off on dollars. If that is the case, that's a good sign that something's going to get done. Hell, with the, with our luck that Chris and I have had on this show, by the time Chris is uploading the damn video, DK will probably sign, uh, finger, knock on whatever this table's made out of. What's your table made out of? Wood, over wood baby. Yeah, so yeah, knock on wood that, you know, that is not the case. But in my mind, how I look at it is, I, I at first I was a little worried. I was like, mm, DK's holding out a mini camp in June. Like, how far apart are they on the money? Are they even negotiating? They were at the time. Um, is this more like a Frank Clark situation where the the amount for a player of that caliber just keeps going up and going up and going up and going up? Um, and I was able to kind of talk to some more people behind the scenes and kind of come to an understanding that DK is probably not going to surpass like a Cooper Cup number, probably not going to surpass a Tyree Kill number, Devontae Adams number. He is more in the A.J. Brown right around Cooper, Stephon Diggs, you know, that that range, which is expensive. Christian, I was thinking about this. I tweeted this out too. If DK even makes $24 million, he will be the highest paid player on the Seahawks by about $7 million a year. That is – Jamal is the only – I think Jamal and Tyler are both at 17. I think Jamal might be at 17.5 a year. DK would be at like 24 or 25. That's a, huge, should be. that's a huge jump, though. It is, but it. you got to pay this man. He's. I don't want to think about the situation where it's just Tyler Lockett <laughs> out there and there's no DK because they had to make a trade because they couldn't come to an agreement. But as you are stating, things seem to be just around the money. That's and- my guess. That's my guess. No one has told me this directly. It's just my, my guess kind of with how contract situations tend to go when – it's Plus. so obvious what the numbers should be. Now, with every guy, that's not the same. Like, I wouldn't have known what to pay Tyler Lockett on his first negotiation in 2017. I would, or yeah, entering the 2017 season or 2018 season, whatever it was, 2018. I would have not known what to pay him. He wasn't the top guy, but he was like clearly a better than average guy. Hadn't made a Pro Bowl at a receiver. That's a little difficult. You know, same thing with Dwayne Brown last year. I would not have known what to pay a 36 year old, you know, left tackle or whatever. That that would have been tough. DK, it's very simple. There's the floor. Cooper Cup's probably the ceiling. Let's (laughs) figure it out, boys, and get this structure right. No, really, get it done. And another thing that plays into this is the fact that you want DK to get reps with Gino or Drew. And the longer he's holding in, the more of a challenge it becomes to pair with these guys. He hasn't, he only played three games, two games with Gino. And one of the three, three and, Three and a quarter. 
and not he only he didn't play three games total. So his sample size is really small, and he's never played with Drew. And if he's gonna miss, let's say he just let's say they still don't come to a deal by preseason week one, which is in two weeks, right? Yeah, that's like August thirteenth. Their first game, yeah, yeah. So that becomes an issue. It's like, dang, we're missing reps. Now, I don't think he's going to play preseason, but even in practice, you're not getting those repetitions. Drew and Gino aren't 100% sure. Oh, where do I put the ball here? How do I do this? How do I do that? Whereas with him and Russ, they had that connection. Now it's a whole new scheme. Well, not a whole new scheme, but it's a new quarterback. And that ability to know how the ball is going to be thrown, where the where – the, quarterback should put the ball to the receiver all that comes into play and if they're not getting those reps and that could come down to haunt these guys in week one against the Denver Broncos and as the season progresses because they missed so much time but I'm hoping that you're right and tonight tomorrow maybe while we're gone on vacation that it does get done because that's only going to help this offense especially with having Tyler Lockett out there and a bunch of other receivers that hopefully can get this offense rolling again without Russell Wilson. So I think it's really big that they get this done. I do think it will happen. I don't think there's going to be a trade, but <laughs> you never know in this world. They they said the same thing about Russ, and then we kind of thought maybe there could be a potential trade just because they didn't want to pay Russ. But at the end of the day, I think everybody was positive, like, oh, they're not going to do it. And then, boom, it happened. Oh, we knew it could happen. So we don't want to see that scenario again with DK being traded because if that's the case, I, I think you meant – mentioned maybe a few months ago if they trade dk you just you're really throwing the season away at this point there's i don't know what you could get back and be like you know what we have a chance still if you trade dk no you don't have a chance if you trade dk and the issue with doing it now is that you're doing so before the season's right before the season starts so you don't get the luxury of trading him to a team that already has a very high draft pick right you're instantly making the team you give him to better right so let's say who needs a receiver? Give me a give me a team. Um, Giants. One receiver. The Giants. Right. You trade DK to the Giants, right? Like in theory, you would think the Giants would stink, right? Like the Giants just picked what sixth or seventh in the last draft, right? But if you give them DK, they're probably going to be a lot better, right? So you're so you don't even get the luxury of getting a top ten pick for DK. You're risking what that pick could be. You know the the Jets made that same calculus or did that same math. When they were trading away the Jamal Adams, that's why it's probably why they were like, we need two ones instead of just normally giving up a one, like a first round pick, because they were thinking, hey, we're giving you guys Jamal. You're probably going to win the division. We're giving you him in July. We're pro you're probably going to go on and win the division this year if we give you Jamal Adams, meaning our pick will probably be anywhere from 23 to 29. That pick ain't worth nothing. And then you'll have him the next year as well. So it'll probably be something similar. They were like, well, we're not getting it with a one, ten, one first round pick in the top 10. We'll end up getting two first round picks in the back end of the draft. That's that's probably what went into the math of Seattle giving up two. I still probably wouldn't have done that. I would have said screw off. But you can see the math on that versus like giving up, you know, if they had traded DK to the Giants ahead of the draft and said, hey, give us pick six. Or whatever, or pick seven, you know. Then now you, you have a chance. Then you know you're getting a first round, a high, high first round pick, and that stuff matters to front offices, right? Pick twenty seven is not worth the same as pick four, right? Even though they're both first round picks, and as you got to take that type of stuff into account, which is why the Jets were probably so excited last year to see the Seahawks stink, and they got what pick ten 
from the Seahawks. They probably thought that was going to be pick 23 again. Um, so that all factors in. I don't think there'll be a trade, though. I, I, I do think something will get done. If something does not get done, I think DK just plays out the season, you know, like like uh, Frank did, like Shaquille did. But isn't that more scary that he plays out the season with the Seahawks and then free agency hits, and now he's, he's probably not coming back because the Seahawks, A, didn't want to pay him then, and you can only imagine how much the price is going to, as you say, go up if they don't pay him <laughs> yeah, right the, now. The issue – the, then the tag becomes a thing. The Seahawks would have to tag him, you know, <laughs> then you're tagging a 25 year old DK. But then at that point, you're probably only paying him. Like, I forget what the tag number is for 2023. I can see No, it's probably higher than that because it's the, it's an average of what the top guys are making. So when guys make more money at the position, the tag number uh, up. rises. Um, I think it's probably, it's probably around 20 million uh, right now. Uh, but like, that's, not that much, right? That's like Chris. Eighteen point four million, Mike, for twenty twenty three. Ooh, good call. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Looks like the projection on overthecap.com is nineteen nine. Nineteen. Yeah, yep. Right. There it is. Like I thought. Yeah. So if you do that, that means you get twenty twenty two DK at like whatever. Should just paid the man. He's on the dollar, and then you get twenty twenty three DK at age twenty five, like nineteen nine million. Him. No, I'm with you, but like. <laughs> You, I'm trying to think like the like DK and think like the uh, the front Seahawks. office kind of give people all the options. Um, but yeah, I'm with. I think as we transition to, we should talk about the quarterback battle now. But that that's a relevant point that you that you made, and that I think is um, something I was thinking about when I was driving home from practice today. Man, it's got to stink if you're Drew Locke that G, that DK is holding out <laughs> from practice. Like he's yeah. holding in as in, 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 in totality, but. He specifically is not running routes and catching balls. He's already done it with Gino. And so, <laughs> so even if Gino doesn't have that chemistry with him, like right this second, like DK, I mean, how many touchdowns? Gino's first touchdown last year was to DK. DK, yeah. You know, like, and his last one probably was to him as well uh, against the uh, Jags. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he threw two, two, two to DK against the Jags. He ran yeah, he one. Threw the, he threw the, the go get it one, threw a bullet, and he just said, go do it. Do your thing, DK. Yeah, so, yeah. He jumped over Shaquille Griffin. for, for yeah. uh, He beat Shaquille Griffin for both of those touchdowns against the Jags last year, actually. Um, just two really good plays by DK and Geno. But, like, they already have that. You know, I think in every game but the Steelers game that Geno played in, he threw a touchdown to DK. He threw one to him against the Rams. He threw one to him against the Saints, that 84-yarder. And he threw two uh, against uh, against the Jags. So, like, he threw four touchdowns to DK in four games played. You know, like, that's – they have that chemistry. If I'm Drew Locke, I'm like, well, damn, I'm really in sync with Cody Thompson. But that doesn't really help me. Yeah, Cody's not going to be like, your number three receiver. <laughs> he you know, quietly. He, he could, could I, but I – he, he probably won't be, but I will say this about Cody, and I tweeted nice. about him too. Not only is he nice, <laughs> people in the building notice we like Cody. You know, I was talking to somebody uh, in the building uh, recently, and they were just like, yo, Mike, like, this He's guy, can, he can really play, like, because they chart out all the, all the practices and all the plays that the receivers make and everything when they're charting it out they're like yo number 11 is making it just as many plays as anybody else we have in the system you know granted that's without dk um and you know tyler not hopping in as many drills probably as he needs to because he's tyler lockett but and he's in year eight but yeah number 11 makes just as many plays as anybody that concludes freddie swain that includes d, d eskers that includes penny hart so like 
Cody could mess around and, and, and get some rips, but just big picture though, if you're Drew Locke, you're like, damn, I'm trying to win this battle and I don't get arguably our best receiver to throw to. Like, how many times has Drew thrown a pass that DK's caught? Just <laughs> like ever. Like, did he get to, did he get to do it during OTAs when DK showed up for that little bit when he was working probably probably, probably not though, because he was still recovering from the foot surgery. I'm sure you're just tossing the ball. That counts. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just, well, hey, bro, here, okay, you know, maybe do him a water bottle or something like that. You do one of these. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, watch them on the jugs machine, but, like, those reps matter. Exactly. Yeah. The more I talk to quarterbacks, the more I talk to guys who are active quarterbacks, former quarterbacks, whatever quarterback coaches, they all tell you those reps matter, man. They, they are very, very important because so much of the game now is reacting to how the defense covers stuff, you know, whether the corner is on his flat-footed or does turns the hips this way or has this technique depends on how you read this route this concept there's so many of those nuances that just take reps they just take a lot of reps a lot of those cover zero balls that russ would throw to tyler or dk or doug baldwin it's all reps man it's all reps and without those it's just hard to win um it's hard to win the gig the, the thing that i think works in drew's favor though is that he does have familiarity with some of the guys noah. he is throwing through a lot in practice and noah that 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 helps. Like he he does have no offense. That is, yeah, no offense. Cody Thompson. Um, I know Drew was trained with some other guys down in Dallas uh, before OTA started, but Pete Carroll today it was Wednesday. That is reiterated again. He almost said verbatim. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, "Guys, Chris is going to have to pay Mike a hundred dollars here in September." <laughs> That's not a direct quote. I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit, and he kind of didn't say that at all, but I can see it in his eyes. You see it in Pete's eyes. He was like, hey, look here. Gino's got this. Drew's got some catching up to do. Chris, go ahead and give up that $100 uh, to, to Mike. That's, what, that's at least what my eyes told me that Pete's eyes was telling me back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man. That's what I read on it, man. I wasn't there for day one. I'm you should have to... today was a 
a lot for your boy. But I will probably be there Saturday. Hence my car. Everything's good to go in that regard. But the situation at quarterback, it's going to be a fun one, man. Someone, the preseason games matter. These three games are huge, and I can't stress that enough. The turnover battle is big. Making making certain throws, decision making, everything will come into play. My hope is that it is Drew Locke because I got a hundred dollars in the line. But I also think that he is he might be the best quarterback for the situation that the Seahawks are in right now. Gino, maybe do like seven games, but that wasn't our bet. It wasn't like oh, you know, seven games in is Drew going to take over or will it be Gino still? Like that wasn't the deal. We. We said week one, who's going to be starting? I, I went with Drew Locke. I'm going to stick with my guns there. He 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 just I, there's just something about him. I don't know when it's going to click, but I think it has to start now because training camp is live. Now everything counts literally. You can't make interceptions and think, oh, you're still going to be the starter. You start throwing picks, you're going further and further down to that backup quarterback position, and then Geno's just rising his stock. And he already did it last year. We saw him through three games. We know what he's capable of doing. We know what he can do. Drew. Pete likes to talk about though that's that three, four game span where he lit it up. That's great and all, but you're in a new system now. You're going up against a guy that he want he believes he's a starter. I see Gino tweeting damn near every day about, you know, people playing on my downfall. You know, I'm I'm ready. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I'm not saying exactly what he quoted, what he tweeted, but he's ready for this opportunity. Showing I mean, hell, he was just Complaining to Madden about being, I think he was rated like 79 or something, or 70 overall, 67. He was pissed. He thinks he's he should be higher than that. Damn, 67 so you, is kind of low. Well, I mean, let's, to be fair, you're a backup quarterback. What are you supposed to be ranked at? That's, <laughs> I don't play Madden, but that seems. Yeah, tough. we're not going to get, it's all I, I feel good. his beef on that, though. That's, that's, that's pretty low. Oh, it's that's low. what it was. He tweeted that. He was like, man, they got me ranked below dudes who ain't even thrown a pass in the league before. To that's that Madden point, for you. I think that's a fair critique, though. I think that I think but that. But then again, Marcus Mariota is probably a seventy. How much better is Geno than Marcus Mariota? Well, I don't that I don't I don't know everybody's ranking, but Geno's point about guys that ain't even thrown the ball before in the league that I think that is a that is a fair one. Like who's maybe the, we? How do you already decide Malik Willis <laughs> is if you're a video game? I don't have the answers. No, I do, not. I do know that Geno, he is really really excited for this opportunity. He believes that he is the number one guy that can bring this team back to the Super Bowl. No problem with it. Drew is, on the other hand, I'm not saying he's not, but he seems to be more quiet kept. Obviously, he wants to win the job, but he's not out here. I haven't seen any tweets about Madden or, you know, what he plans on doing this season. I just know Drew is in there every day trying to get better, trying to understand the offense, and trying to do things right that way. Week one, I can have $100. So we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> here's a, Here's an interesting there's two things, uh, three points I want to make about the quarterback competition that are kind of new-ish developments. One is the first thing I did. Uh, I was I spent some time by the defense early on in practice, just kind of catching up with some other reporters and stuff like that. And the, the offense was on the far side. I just didn't walk over there quite yet. And then when I did, I got distracted. I actually ran into um, the guy that's training, Marquise Blair. Um, ran into him, talked to him at camp. That was a fun conversation. But anyway. I walk over there, and the first thing I do, I whip out my phone because I see they're throwing deep balls. Um, and I start taking video. And Gino's throws are to the far side of my camera, and Drew Locke's throws are to the near side. They're just kind of alternating. And then the first one is a far side deep ball. I'm like, oh, okay, that was, that was that was decent to the sideline. Receiver got under it. 
And the next one comes at me as Tyler Lockett from Drew, from Drew Lock. Drew overthrows him by like three yards, something like that. Um, I didn't post the video just because I I I feel like that would be it, it, that would be more trouble than it's worth. Um, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And then I record another rep, and Gino throws another far side deep ball, hits the receiver, uh, and then Drew tries again to Marquise Goodwin and underthrows him. Then Marquise catches it, and Bob Condota actually did tweet that one. So you guys can go um, kind of see that. It's, a, it's in Bob's Twitter account, uh, the Seattle Times. And I'm just like, this is it. Like, that was it, it's four throws total, but it just shows like, as soon as I walked up, started watching, and I was like, number seven clearly has just a, some better touch and feel than number two does. Like, take away the names and the careers, just watch them. Just watch the players. You're like, hmm, number seven looks a little sharper than number two. And then, you know, you talk to people and, like, they like – the Seahawks like all the guys they have in the room. You know, I've talked to people uh, who really feel comfortable saying that between their three guys, Gino, Drew Locke, and then even Jacob Eason, that – in terms of just pure arm strength, they're really high on the arm strength of all three guys. They'll put their arm strength against any other team's quarterback room, you know. And I don't have time to go through all the other guys who have strong arms, but I was like, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know how true that is or how much it matters, but like that's <laughs> well, that's that's just how you know high it's, they it's think something to go for. How about that? Yeah, and it, you can see like Pete Carroll even saying today is like we're gonna chuck it, we're gonna chuck it deep, you know. It's like all right, cool. And that's why I'm watching the deep balls. And we're just, just seeing that. We're just like, see, like, this is why I roll with number seven. Um, not only in our bet, just I, I sincerely believe that that Gino is uh, just a sharper quarterback at this point in their respective careers, which makes sense because one guy's in year 10 and the other guy's in like year four. Right? So that, that makes sense. I have this, I have similar video footage from minicamp, the last day of minicamp. I don't know if I sent it to you, Chris. I might have, but it's the same thing. Gino and Drew running routes with the guy. Did I send it to you last time? Um, no, I don't I'll, think I'll, I'll talked about it. It's, it's it's Gino throws the route, hits the guy in stride. Drew throws the route, doesn't hit the guy. And these are all deep balls, by the way. This was a post practice session. I think I posted Gino's. I think I did on Twitter back in June. I did not post Drew's again, just because like it just it'll just feel like I'm agenda driven. Even though it's, I'm I'm not really that type of guy. I just, I just refrain from doing it. But just watching those type of deep throws in particular, because the short stuff they're going to look pretty similar, right? They're throwing on air, not much of a pass rush. You know, defense can't really make a lot of plays on the ball. All these guys are going to look the same. That deep stuff, though, you can see it. You know, like you can see how the ball spins. You can see where it hits the receiver. Does he have to stop? Does he have to adjust? Is it in stride? Does he, is it behind him? You know, you can see all that. Just when I watched the two in particular today, I was just like, yeah. Seven, seven has a little bit of an edge. Doesn't mean he's perfect, right? He threw a pick today. Uh, Sidney Jones picked off Gino. The ball was a little bit behind Marquise Goodwin. Uh, he went back to go reach for it, tipped it, boom, lands right in Sidney Jones's hand. Sidney might have scored a pick six. Like, you can't have those type of plays either, you know? And then Drew has another type of play you can't have. You know, uh, he would have got sacked by number 73. Can't remember his name. He's an undrafted dude. I think he's from Tacoma. I don't have my roster in front of me. Uh, but Drew escapes that, uh, but decides to scramble left and then turn his body and throw it all the way across the field, uh, across his body, just into into trouble. I think it ended up falling incomplete, and it was the last play of the day. But it's like stuff like that. You know, it's like yeah. when I'm watching 
and I'm trying to see with the separator throws. Like, I obviously don't know the scheme, and I, I can't hear Shane Waldron in the call and all that stuff. So I'm just looking at just the stuff I can kind of see with my naked non-quarterback coach eye. I'm like, yeah, man, I feel I feel pretty positive about seven winning the job. But like you said, Chris, the training, the the preseason games are really they're gonna they're gonna make a difference, and a, a lot of it is gonna be what happens at the line of scrimmage before the snaps. Who can get the guys into the right protections? Who can get the right calls, particularly on third down? Who can check into the right runs and the right situations? Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, who can run two minute stuff? I was talking with a QB coach. Um, I guess he's not a QB coach anymore, but I was talking with a QB coach uh, recently. He was just talking about we were talking about Russ and just how good Russ was at the end of games. Like Russ could be playing just shitty the whole game. All of a sudden there's two minutes left and Russ is Tom Brady. And I don't say that with hyperbole. Like there will be like, look at the, remember the Washington game last year, how bad they were playing on Monday night football. And then they, they couldn't move the ball to save their lives. Right. Like their best, the longest run of the day was Rasheem green returning back of, you know, an extra point for like 90 yards for, for a score. And all of a sudden they're down eight with like a minute and change left. And Russ takes them like 90 yards. Yeah, you know, just right down the field. The Minnesota game in 2020, right? They get that fourth down stop. Sunday night football. Russ takes them right down the field. You know, with uh, I think like one or two timeouts. Like Russ was so good in that situation. So I think that another situation that's going to determine things is how those guys look in that, or uh, how Gino and Drew look in that situation. But for right now, just in terms of like, all right, let's watch both guys throw the ball a bunch and just take the names and resumes away. Just who do you like better? I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I objectively think seven. Uh, is is uh, dude sharp, dude sharp. We'll see when they can get hit in the face, though. That's different. Every time changes week one of preseason. <laughs> oh yeah, every every everything changes. Um, and I said I had three points. I can't remember. The oh yeah, one. the other one was John Boyle wrote an article. Thank you, thank you for reminding me of that. Shout out to John. Uh, work, writes for the uh, for Seahawks.com. Uh, he's like their in-house reporter. He did a story, kind of referencing. Pete Carroll's time with Carson Palmer at USC and how he kind of revitalized Carson Palmer's career back then to how he can uh, potentially revive the careers of Gino or Drew Locke right now. And the the premise itself kind of falls on his face a little bit just because, you know, uh, quarterbacks in college, you can revive your career a lot easier in college. Think about it, right? Yeah, USC, I don't know their schedule in 2003 or four or five or whatever it was, but like, you got some games on there where everyone on USC is better than everyone on the other team. That makes it a lot easier for the quarterback to get his mojo. That's not the case in the NFL, right? The the playing field is pretty level, right? So anyway, so the, the, the comparison there kind of falls on his face, but that's not the point of John's article. The point of John's piece is something that I've been considering to be very relevant as we talk about Drew Locke and Geno Smith in the quarterback competition, Right. You look at the quarterback tiers that the homie Mike Sando, his uh, his rankings that he puts out every year after he talks to about 50 coaches, uh, execs, and personnel people within the NFL. And that gives us a good feel of how coaches and execs feel about the quarterbacks in the league. Chris, you saw the, the quarterback tiers yep. thing from Sando. Drew Locke and Geno Smith were the two bottom-ranked starters in the thing. At least they made the list, man. They were 34 and 35 of 35 quarterbacks analyzed in the piece. Gino was 35, Drew was 34. They were the, the worst two, right? According to people in the league. And that's something I've been considering when thinking about when people ask me, like, how good is Drew? How good is Gino? You know, how is this going to work in Seattle? One thing I've been really wondering is just like, you know, 
part of this whole experiment is trusting that Pete Carroll and John Snyder are just better at quarterback evaluations than everyone else in the league, pretty much. Right? They just got to ride with Russ, <laughs> which is which is fine. I give them that. I do. But th- now we have to assume that they're doing it again. Um, and but the difference with Russ is that they were projecting from college to pros, whereas right now they're just projecting on two guys who've already been not good in the pros. They'll just suddenly just be good. Right. And I think that's the part that's been a tough sell for me. I've been asking myself, what is Pete like selling? Like, why does he think that he can fix Drew? Not fixed, they're not broken, but why does he think he can fix Drew? Why does he think he can fix Gino? And no one else thinks that. You know what I mean? Like, why does no, why is no one else thinking that he can fix them? And in John's piece kind of details some of the stuff that Pete is supposedly offering that these guys haven't had. Um, some of the things are things we already know. A run game, right? Pete's saying if you give a quarterback, any quarterback a run game, it just helps him you know, operate at a higher level, less on his plate. Uh, great weapons. I give Pete that. Between Noah Fan, DK, and Tyler Lockett, Lockett. that's decent. The O-line's another thing, but whatever. You know, a good defense. He figures a good defense takes, you know, a lot off of the quarterback's plate as well. But all that stuff is, again, that's nothing new. Every coach in the league will tell you if they want to have a good defense, a good running game, and weapons. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> no, seriously, like, that's nothing new. But I think that the thing that kind of stood out from the piece as well was just a confidence factor. And I only put so much stock into it, but it was interesting that the in-house reporter – and supposedly the team was kind of on the same wavelength as what I was thinking. Like they ha- there has to be something that Pete is offering Drew and Gino that would make us believe that he's going to do something for their careers that hasn't already been done. Like I said, Gino's in like year 10. So one thing that was really emphasized in there, and Carson Palmer gives some really good quotes about it, was just like Pete makes you feel like you can fly pretty much. You know, I, I, feel, I don't know if uh, you've had a boss like this, Chris, or just anyone you worked with. Uh, who's just like when they they believe in you so strongly, or maybe it's a coach that you've had, I don't know anything, a teacher, when they just believe in you, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of that you when you believe you can achieve type of thing. That's what Pete kind of brings. Again, there's only so much you know stock I'm gonna put in that, but I I bring that up because it was interesting um to see, you know, Carson talk about it, kind of Pete talk about it. John also got some quotes from Drew and from Gino about how Pete instilling confidence and putting a winning culture around those guys, um, something that is also relevant. Denver stinks. Geno played for the Jets and the Giants, two franchises that stink. Right? So that, I guess that that winning culture is something else he's offering. Again, I don't think this is going to turn these guys into new quarterbacks, but I do think that was I, – I encourage everyone to go read the piece. I tweeted it out as well if you don't want to scroll John's timeline. Um, but uh, I thought that was really interesting – um, in terms of like, Pete, what are you selling? You know, you can't yeah. just tell me I got Drew, I got Gino. I'm going to make them better than they were everywhere else. You're not Andy Reid. Like, Andy Reid don't have to sell me. He was getting busy with Kevin Cobb, Vic straight out of prison, you know, Andy Reid. Alex uh, Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes. Like, even Matt Moore in the games that he had to start for uh, Patrick Mahomes the Super Bowl year, like, held it down. Got Andy Reid is clearly the guru. Clearly. Yeah. Um, Mike Holmgren's also got a pretty good track record with quarterbacks as well. Guys like that, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, those guys don't have to explain anything to me. We're going to find out though, right? I wanted to hear his pitch kind of unofficially, and we kind of heard it through John's story, which I thought was kind of, again, I encourage everyone, everyone to go check it out. And you know, uh, who endorsed kind of my thought on it, uh, 
was Doug Baldwin. Mm. Actually. Yeah, I tweeted out that I'm reading my tweet now. I said, that's one thing I quote tweeted John's story. I said, that's one thing about Pete's attempt to revive the careers of Drew Locke and Geno Smith. He's got to believe he has something to offer that the QBs haven't experienced before. Judging by this piece, Pete is providing defense, run game, culture, and an extreme vote of confidence. And Doug Baldwin responded to my tweet with just a little on-target emoji or the bullseye. Is it a bullseye? Yeah. It's a bullseye. Throwing darts. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even – yeah, bullseye. There you go. It's a bullseye <laughs> emoji. Again, there's only so much stock you can put into that, but I think that just as we're all trying to figure out who's going to be the quarterback, how good Drew's going to be, how good Geno Smith's going to be, whether Pete Carroll was right to move on from Russell Wilson, I think what he's offering Drew and Geno has to be talked about. Otherwise – they're just going to be the same guys they've been, which is not good enough, which is why they were what, which is 34 and 35, yeah. you know, in, in, in the quarterback tiers. So I'm still confident I'm going to get my 100 bucks from you, Chris, throwing it out there. At this so. point, I just want to see what happens for it, me. It will, it will be fun. It will be fun. It will be fun to, it will be, it's fun to see newness. I, yeah, that's, that's what I've been trying to, you know, say for the last few months. Like, I am excited to see what this team is going to be about. There's a lot riding on Pete and John Schneider to, put a product out there that the fans are going to be excited about that goes to the playoffs with a chance. This is a whole new thing. Whole new team goes into the playoffs in general. You know, well, they have Super Bowl aspirations. I'm not saying they're wrong or right in that regard. That's what they have in front of them. Super Bowl or bust. We understand. Can you guys make the postseason with this roster right here? Let's be, let's just look at it. What it is right now. You're probably third or fourth in the NFC West if we're really talking about it, but we can get into that later. Yeah, we will. We will. Something else that, you know, happened during training camp, right before it started, I guess, is KJ Wright. He uh, he was able to come home, sign that one-day contract, and retire a Seahawk, which I'm sure he wanted to just suit up one more time, if anything. KJ was on with us. What was it? After, they, after Norton got fired. Yeah, and he was like, I still want to play. I'm not sure if that's changed. I haven't talked to him about that since then, but it was just good to see him back in Seattle. You know, the emotions that he was filled with just knowing that he can retire a Seattle Seahawk. I think, I think it's big for him, man. Although I do think part of him though, does want to go out there and suit it up because he still probably believes that he can give this team that veteran leadership. Not saying that Jordan or Cody can't do that, but the fire still in KJ, but, Having him retire the Seahawks, that's dope. What he's done for the city, what he's meant to the city. I mean, you wrote an article, a story on him about, recently about just his career path, starting in Seattle, now where he's at, 10-plus years later. The journey has been great. And KJ's dope, dope human being. So congrats to him. It's going to be a tough one, but he'll be all right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things on on, on KJ. He does still want to play. He he feels like he got some ball left him, and he probably does. You know, I saw uh, saw KJ over the weekend, um, and he was playing some uh, some sand volleyball 
um, up there at the at the park. I was like, oh, that dude still got it, man. And I mean, obviously playing competitive. Some, yeah, playing sand volleyball is not like the same thing as playing in the field. Although I tried some sand volleyball, and boy, that is not my thing. Yeah, uh, shout out Stacks. I saw a little clip. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I got. Oh, he posted that. Oh, uh oh. Never, never mind. I didn't know he posted. I didn't know I got posted playing sand volleyball. That stuff is hard. Oh, you hear? There you go, Mike. <laughs> I consider myself a good athlete. But I got humbled. I think it was by KJ's daughter. <laughs> this is out there like little girls can play some volleyball anyway i saw him out there i was like oh, he can he he still got some ball left in him but something i mentioned to him um when i when i saw him and I, he's having a press he'll have a press conference thursday so the day after, the day this drops um and I'll, I'll probably ask him to talk a little bit about that is the good thing i'm happy for kj is that he kind of gets the farewell you know you look at some of the guys that were the legendary dudes on this team they just didn't get it you know, Cam Chancellor's kind of unceremonious, you know, just kind of just he didn't even get carted off the field or anything. Uh, the game that he got hurt, he just was out and never played again. You know, um, Cliff Averill ended up getting walked off the field with his shaking his hands because he couldn't feel him. You know, in 2017, Mike B just kind of got traded in the offseason. Sherm got cut. Bobby got cut. Russ got traded. You know, no one really got, you know, Earl Thomas just walked, you know, Um it's, no one really got what feels like the proper exit. You know, it's it's very it's very unfortunate that all the Doug Baldwin just played in that playoff game against Dallas, and that was just kind of it. You know, because we all thought he was going to keep playing, but none of these guys got the exit that I feel like they they deserve. You know, Jermaine Curse even. You know, Jermaine Curse just got traded to New York on like a Friday <laughs> in huh. September. It's brutal, man. Like it's it's part of the business, but like you just feel like those dudes all deserved a little bit more. Everyone I just named deserved that. What Big Ben got in Pittsburgh, you know. Shout out to my homie Adam, uh, the pedestrian podcast out in the UK. Um, he, he brought up this point to me recently, and I agree. It's something I thought about. Like you just watch Big Ben get that big standing ovation, and it's just this, you know, it's this big production. I think his last game in Pittsburgh is what I'm referring to, but even his his playoff game against the Chiefs, you just see it, and you see the farewell tours that they, you know, doing in basketball now, or even a guy like Derek Jeter kind of farewell thing with the with the Yankees like that is the that 2013 Seahawks team more guys deserve that they deserve to be celebrated and have their day not just be like a press release hey we cut this guy here's a two-minute tribute video you know like get up the, you know, Ricardo Lockett got you know his press conference he got his day but like in terms of the guys that were you know the, the, those core guys the LOB dudes man it's kind of a shame yeah, see that none of them have gotten that. You know, I think Brandon Brown are still in jail. You know, like it's it's unfortunate. I'm glad that KJ gets that. I wish that all these guys have got. I hope Bobby Wagner gets to do the same thing. You know, I hope Russ does the same thing. Uh, who else is still in the league? Sherm. Sherm, yeah. I hope Sherm comes. To, hell, Earl, come do it. Come sign it one day. You know, Cam, do it. I don't care. Um, I would just really. I, I'm I'm happy on that part for KJ. Also, I'm happy on that same note for KJ is that he gets to retire from the game while he can still play, which seems counterproductive when I say it out loud. But I feel like if you talk to enough former football players, you understand how valuable that is. They're not getting carted off the field. They're not ending their career on the training table or getting x-rays or surgeries or whatever. Like KJ's good. He's good. You know, he can walk. He can jump around. He can run around. He can pick up his kids. You know, he can, you know shoot hoops with his kids in the yard and whatever he can do all that stuff because his back's not bad or he don't got no bad knee or his finger is not sticking the wrong way or his shoulder doesn't need a gazillion surgeries I, you know I, I told him that when i last time i saw him i was like man that's that means a lot dude like you're walking away from the game while you can like literally walk away 
you know, like that's that that's really valuable and, and rare. So I am happy for KJ on that note. I did I, I tweeted about uh, him, yeah, today Wednesday when uh, the the announcement came. It was like you know KJ is from Olive Branch, and I've talked to some people from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Man, small spot. You know KJ's the man out there, but like we watched him grow up here. You know he you know bought some whips here, settled down here, found his wife here, had kids here. Um, you know, he's just done, won a Super Bowl here, made the Pro Bowl here, has done stuff in the community here, is a respected veteran around here. Like, he's just grown up here, become like a philanthropist in a, in a way, you know, building the wells in Africa. You know, uh, I think that was 2017, 18 that he was doing that, and he still goes back to Africa. So, like, I just think we just watched KJ grow up, as we did with a lot of those guys, but, like, KJ, uh, Bobby, you know, even guys like Sherm, who just like did all of the adulting here. Like a lot of these guys met their wives here and stuff like that and got married and had kids here. That's, that's impressive. I am happy for KJ uh, on that note, man. That is, that was very, that was very cool to see, to see that picture of him crying when he signs the, uh, yeah. the one day contract with his dad in the background. For those guys who are curious, the dark skinned brother in the background of the picture that the Seahawks posted, that's KJ's dad. Um, KJ's dad, who I was interviewing once. And I always ask my interview subjects to spell their, first and last name just so i have it right you know my dumb ass didn't realize i forgot that kj is a junior, junior. <laughs> so J. I'm, I'm like hey yeah man what's it uh what's your first name he's like yeah kenneth i'm like oh duh you know he's a, my bad you know he's, he's a junior i i've done that thing like i've done that like three four times with 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 dads um i, I gotta get better at that uh, but yeah, that was that was a really cool moment, man, for KJ to get that, man. I like I said, I wish more guys could get that. They'll all probably get it when they get in the Ring of Honor, or whatever, get their jersey retired. In the cases of Bobby, Sherm, Russ, but that was oh, a special moment. Beast Mode should get that too. By the way, don't forget about. Uh, sorry, I forgot about Marshawn. But they should all. They should all. Michael Bennett deserves that. Um, yeah, they they should all get that, man. Yeah, shout out to KJ. KJ, welcome back on the pod. Yeah, you got a little bit of free time now, man. <laughs> definitely has definitely has some free time, man. I'm glad I'm glad he's this is finally solved too, and people can stop suggesting that he comes back and be like a backup linebacker. KJ is not about to be no backup linebacker at 32, 33. You know what backup linebackers do in the NFL? They play special teams. You know what KJ is not doing at thirty something? Playing running down on kickoff. That's just, that's just not gonna happen. You know, anybody yeah. anybody trying to do all that at that age, man. He's if he's gonna play, he wants to play. And he wanted to play here. They wasn't having it. He's like, all right. Go ahead, go ahead and call, call it quits, man. So shout out to KJ Wright. 11 years. Let me drink a little bit of this beer. Shout out to KJ Wright. 11 years in the league. Friend of the program. Good brother. Yeah, and I'm sorry I couldn't make it, KJ, if you're watching this. Your boy came down with the vid right when I was supposed to go with Mike to go see if I can play some sand volleyball. But I didn't realize it was going to be that much sand volleyball, man. It was rough. But, yeah, man. <laughs> But shout out to speak, KJ, man. Shout out to KJ indeed. Speaking of retirement, though, before we wrap things up, we do have one more player that unfortunately was forced to retire. And it's it's tough because I don't want to say a lot of people saw it coming, but at the same time, with the injury he had, it was kind of written on the wall where he potentially Chris Carson would not play again. As confident as he was going through rehab. You saw him on Instagram lifting weights, doing all these things. You just knew, okay, but can you take contact? Because this is a physical game that they play. And you talked about it, Mike. KJ gets to walk away doing all those things. Chris can never play again because of an injury. 
there's a difference there. And I hope Chris is able to find what's next for him career wise. I know football was a lot to him. It was, you know, he was able to buy his mom a new house. Got a, just got a new contract. Like everything was up for Chris, but his style of play, it, it just unfortunate, unfortunate things happened and he just couldn't bounce back. And it's really unfortunate for him. And I hope that again, he just finds success elsewhere. Maybe he comes back and does something for the Seahawks or he finds a job elsewhere in the NFL. I'm not sure about what's next for Chris, but I know he wanted to play this season and he was excited about the opportunity. He just wanted it. And to, to have him go out the way he did, it sucks. You don't want to see that happen, but it's a brutal game they play. And the way he runs, it's damn. It's like, what else could you, how else could you want this to end? Like KJ walking off, signing it off one day contract. That's how you want everyone to finish, but it doesn't always work out that way. And I wish the best for Chris, but unfortunately, as everyone has found out over the, this last week, or if you're just finding out just now, he has been forced to retire because of his injury. He just couldn't pass the physical. The Seahawks were like, yeah, we're not going to put you back on the field on our team. And I'm sure Chris probably still wants to play. I would be stunned if he was, if he had to, if he had an opportunity to play and some team was willing to sign him, he would probably take that risk. Like that's how much he loves the game and loves going out there and competing. And he just can't do it. Yeah, I think um, I've said this for years now. And I probably I should still do a story on it. Man, running backs need their own union. I I, I really do think that they they just need something. The CBA has to adjust for the life of a running back um, in the NFL. Man, it's just it's too it's too brutal. The difference between running backs and pretty much every other position in the league. I guess you can kind of make this argument with receivers now because of the proliferation of uh, seven on seven. With running backs, as soon as Roger Goodell says your name, you are in your prime. That's it. Those are your prime years, your physical condition in, in this game, right? Like, uh, who did they just – Kenneth Walker. Yeah, yeah. He is in his prime right now. I don't even know how old Kenneth is right now. But 22? Something, yeah. So let's, let's go. If you can look that up from a place so we get that right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's 21. My apologies. 21. Cool. Kenneth's in his prime right now. Like, he's most – he is – and I want to say prime. It's not, it's not like he'll be just terrible at running the football at 28. In terms of how valuable you are – to the NFL, you're you are most valuable right this second before you get hit by a bunch of NFL linebackers for four years, right? I think, and that, and at that point, you're still seeing guys getting paid. Kamara got paid, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, Derek, Derek Henry. Henry. Yeah, like guys still get Ezekiel Elliott. You know, guys, guys are getting paid still, so it's not like you can't. But the point is that you're no longer in. Like, look how bad the Zeke contract looks now. I mean, look how bad the Christian McCaffrey contract looks now. Like these contracts are. Getting, looking worse and worse now Aaron Jones even um so I just think that these guys they almost should be exempt from the rookie wage scale like rookies uh, rookie running back should be able to just come in and negotiate a contract you know just right off the bat like Kenneth Walker shouldn't be subjected to whatever his co slotted contract is at 41 overall you know it should be whatever the Seahawks want to pay and now maybe that'd be less than what he's getting now maybe it'd be more you know, like it just depends on the running back. Saquon Barkley would probably have been able to negotiate a pretty damn good contract coming out of Penn State because that he was that dude. You know, same thing with Zeke or Leonard Fournette coming out of LSU. So I just think that running backs are just getting the shredded on the stick in the CBA right now because they're just they're just the best cheap labor aside from a quarterback. They're like just the best cheap labor there is, and they don't they don't ever reap the benefits. Like Charles Cross, I also think is twenty one years old right now. When Charles is up for his second contract, he will still be viewed as in his prime.
he'll be like 24 or whatever, maybe 20, whatever, because he'll get a fifth-year option. By the time Kenneth is up, they'll be like, oh, let's just draft the next kid from Michigan State. You know, they won't even think probably think about maxing him out or giving him a $20 million contract or whatever running backs would be making at that time. So it's really unfortunate, you know, which is why I'm so pro player in terms of contract holdouts and squeezing every little bit that they can get out of these contracts because it, it just can get taken away so fast, man. Chris's story is such a great example. Um, and so uh, I think the CBA language is a little tricky. I don't know how much money Chris is getting with retiring. I know the injury protection benefit has a maximum according to the CBA of like 2 million that he can, that he gets there. I don't know if there's also an injury settlement. The Seahawks will agree to, to with him. I'm not, not entirely sure uh, how that's going to work, but I know he's going to get multiple millions at least for uh, being able to retire right now or getting waived with the physical failed physical designation. Uh, But yeah, I just think that that, that part seeing Chris's story, is just like such a good example of like, yeah, nah, man, this position is so brutal. The shelf life is so short. You almost want these guys to be able to just sign whatever hell contract they want right out of school if someone's willing to pay them that. Because the minute that they try to get that second deal, man, from another team, it's just it's just so tough. And as much as I've enjoyed, I was going to share like some favorite Chris Carson stories or something like that. Um, I don't really think I have uh, a ton of them, but it has been kind of bittersweet. I don't know if anybody else feels this way to like watch the highlights that people are now posting of Chris, because like it's like those hits or why we don't get those anymore. You know what I'm saying? Get picked, like there's that picture of him running through two guys in the Chiefs at the goal line in 2018. It's like, well, that's great. But it's like, it's this is why. Like that. Yeah. You know, same thing of him running over Quandre in uh, 2018 as well when he played for the Lions. Like, Hell, he told us that story on the pod. Yeah. No, yeah. That, <laughs> that was really funny. Like, yeah, no, Chris, Chris is like genuinely good dude too. It, it does suck. He's part of that. I have a thing for me personally. I have a thing for that 2017 Seahawks draft class because that's my first year covering the league. So, Shaq, yeah, Shaq, that. Ethan, even Malik McDowell, Delano Hill, Tedrick Thompson, um, Cameron Nas Jones, Amara Darbo. Um, there's just so many guys in that class that I just kind of feel like kind of attached to because we all kind of came into the league together. Chris is one of them. I remember how much Pete Carroll talked about Chris right off the bat. Like Chris was like, Pete was like, yo. This guy we got from Oklahoma State, like, I'm really excited about this guy. Like, I think he's dead. Like, his style is just crazy. Chris had a hamstring injury his rookie year and didn't participate much in training camp and stuff. But, boy, when he got on the field, it was like, yo, forget this Eddie Lacy thing. Forget this Thomas Rawls thing. This guy, number 32, is that guy. I remember Pete feeling that way, you know, from, from the jump. That's why Pete, uh, Chris started week one of his rookie year. So, yeah, that his, his story – is one just is just such a great example not a great example but like you know what i mean it's it really illustrates how tough it is to be a running back in the nfl financially physically the seahawks have now just like this really shitty history of dudes needing to retire because of neck injuries they have like four guys now ricardo lockett cliff Cliff. cam yeah and now chris carson that is brutal man and yeah it's i don't i don't know how people can see these type of stories and not be pro player when it like a situation like DK like yeah I'm holding out because all it takes is one play and then I could never play again so I need my bread today yeah and DK he broke his neck <laughs> yeah, yeah he's already broken his neck before right? so he, it, it, he broke his neck it, making zero dollars <laughs> yeah well that's and the cool thing is NIL so now if you're a college athlete you're a running back you're top you're one of the best ones you can make some millions of dollars before you even get to the league and if you're saving it you know, investing in doing all these things, you should be set. 
you should be okay. It also helps that you know you play a few years in the league and you're able to yeah maximize that. But to you your point, play, yeah, yeah. But to your point, they should have their own union where they can figure something out and come to an agreement with these owners about the future for the running back position. Because as you mentioned, in four years, Kenneth Walker, he might be traded. He might be cut. He might not be a Seahawk. Like it's it happens that quickly. Yeah, he won't be in so, his prime no matter where he plays. Yeah, so even someone like Christian McCaffrey. His story is a good example, too. He signed yeah. a $16 million deal. Part of the reasoning on the Panthers' part was that, oh, man, he's been pretty durable. He's played in all the games. Man, what's McCaffrey played since he signed that contract? Like seven games or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he had a bad hamstring injury last year, unfortunately. So yeah, he's, he's been, like, hurt the whole time since signing the deal, right? So it's yep. like – it's just it, – it, it's really unfortunate for running backs, man. Like, Chris Chris, generally good dude, man. He's, he's going to be all right for next. I didn't know that, man. The only person – it's funny. These guys are retiring around the same time. Only person cheaper than KJ Wright might be Chris Carson. I will, I, I will, I will say that. I was doing an interview once. <laughs> with Chris. Actually, I guess I do have a Chris Carson story before we sign out. I was doing an interview with Chris once. This didn't make the story that I ended up doing, but it was very funny. Um, first, I say KJ Wright. I will do a story on him. I have like a big oral history that I pre-wrote like two years ago um, and sat on, or maybe like a year and a half. Uh, it'll, it, it'll probably drop next week. Um, but in it, there's a section about how cheap KJ is. Like, he's cheap like me. Chris makes fun of me for being cheap. I don't even know if I'm as cheap as KJ. They were saying, they were saying KJ right now, uh, like, will go to, on a trip with his homies to Europe or something like that, and they'll all get in the Uber to go to the event or wherever they're going, and KJ will send everybody, you know how you can press the split the fare thing? He's like, bro, you, are, you signed a, a million-dollar contract. <laughs> You can't just get this Uber. It's thirty dollars. <laughs> like, you can't get that. And like that's that's KJ. You know, like when he's yeah. like when KJ came to the league, uh, he he got a a one bedroom apartment, uh, just because it was cheaper than the two bedroom apartment. The price difference was like three hundred dollars. Remember, this is a guy who just signed a two million dollar deal for four years or whatever his rookie deal was. I don't blame him. Like I'm getting the one bedroom. Malcolm Smith was like was in the same draft class. Was like, bro, just get the. Why don't you just get the two bedroom, bro? It's not even that much more. KJ was like, nope, one bedroom. It's all I need. And then KJ's family came to visit and was like, damn, I could use another room, huh? Just, <laughs> like that's the that's the uh that's like put some perspective how cheap KJ is. I was doing a story on uh Chris once and I was talking to him about like finances and everything. And he was like, uh, I remember he was we were talking about where you take like a girl to eat or something like that. I don't know if he's got a girl now, but it, did he say Applebee's? He ate said Applebee's. He was <laughs> He was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, man, you know, you can get the two for 20 or whatever. He was like, you know, you don't because you don't know if it's a first date. You know, you don't want to spend a bunch of money. You know, it's like, bro, True. I, I stopped the interview. I said, Chris, you make too much money to take a girl to Applebee's. I'm not even taking my girl to Applebee's. Chris, I hope you don't take your girl to Applebee's. Uh, not to just I have a story when you're done with your story. I have a quick story before we sign off. Yeah, that that uh, and Chris, some other people, I guess people have joked with him about his his bread too. Like Chris is a pretty like frugal guy like me, like KJ. So I relate to shout out to my frugal brothers. Uh, but I, I said to say, uh, no matter how much money Chris get, he going to be fine. That's a, uh, that dude is, a, that's a smart dude with his money. I know, like you just mentioned investing. I know when he got paid from the Seahawks uh, last off season that he, he, I can guarantee he did the right thing with it, but I just pray he stopped going to Applebee's. <laughs> that's all, all I want, man. Go to Olive Garden or something, man. Did you, Red Lobster? I don't know, man. Just, just stop going to Applebee's. Well, says the man that's frugal, but he got like $1,000 on his neck. Just throwing it out there for everybody. <laughs> I do. I do have a decent <laughs> amount of bread. But this is a, this white tee that I'm wearing. I know people who listen and can't see. I'm wearing a white t-shirt. Got this from Champs for like 
You know, you can go get nine four bucks. You get four of them for like twenty five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that averages out to, like eight bucks and some change or something like that. So it's like an eight dollar T-shirt, man. I got these shorts from Champs, too, for like twenty bucks, man. I'm but we're talking about the ice. Yeah, yeah, no, that's jury, jury, jury costs a little bit. That's that's different, man. But yeah, shout, but, shout out to KJ Wright, shout out to Chris Carson, my frugal brothers, man. I'm with you. You you mentioned cheap dates and you you'd never tell your girl to Applebee's. Des and I actually went on a date. Guess where, Mike? It was a fast food joint. I'll give you please, three guesses. Please, please tell me it was that. Oh, I get to guess. Yeah, uh, three guesses. McDonald's. Yep. That's where you went? Yeah, we went on a date to McDonald's. Oh, all dressed goodness. up. You got <laughs> dressed up went to McDonald's? Yeah, we threw on some jeans, nice little shirt. She had on some jeans, and we had a little date. It was like thirty minutes. <laughs> Please, ladies and gentlemen, do not take your significant other. I don't care what type of relationship y'all are in. Don't. Take but if she there. agreed, if Mona, if your girl agreed to it, Mike would would you be would you do it? If she was like, yeah, take me to Burger King for a date, I would love that. Absolutely not. Oh, I don't. Okay. I don't eat Burger King, so no. We, we would okay, if a fast food joint that you would go to, that you would if. Your significant other was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Uh, probably not. No, no. Uh, you ain't I'm, no I'm fun, man. No yeah. air monarchs. I'm no. fun, man. I just I can't call myself fun. It's like a Kawhi Leonard, but <laughs> we, man, you get the. We need to sign off, man. Now, now. We're okay. Bad, On that note, it's been a Seahawks man to man. It's, it's good to be back. It's go time. We're gonna drop another one next week before we we head out to Sin City, aka Las Vegas, and then we'll, yeah, we'll be back on it. Probably one or two. Well, yeah, one week for probably, sure. Probably do one a week for sure during training yeah. camp. Maybe we'll squeeze exactly. in another after the preseason games. We'll see. A lot of those preseason games are at night. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you updated. But for the most part, it's back man to man. The run continues. Got a little TV love. So if you haven't, go check us out on Cairo 7. We did a little segment there that was dope. And yeah, anything else you want to add, Mike, before we get out of here? just want to appreciate the love to everyone. We get a lot of love on social media and everything. I can't always respond to it all the time because my mentions are set up in a way that I don't want people bugging me uh, on Twitter. I don't get notifications from people on Twitter unless I follow them already. Um, so I have to scroll to see my mentions, but I do appreciate the love. I see it on Instagram, texts, obviously calls, whatever. Chris and I appreciate I'm speaking for both of us now. I appreciate the love. We appreciate the love, whether it's the hype, whether it's the podcast, whatever. We, we, we appreciate you guys. This is year six for us so thank you guys who've been here if you just showing up year six we appreciate you you've been here since year one we appreciate you either way we we could not do this without you guys so thank you for the love and we're going to try to bring you the heat all year this year as well yes on that note we'll catch you guys later peace out you see i don't have to drive me if you say that for your mama maybe you should smoke some